Lord God Almighty, we need your help tonight. Not only tonight, but tomorrow morning, the next day, and the next day. We, as your people, we need your power. Lord, you know how much we need your power. But if we have to confess, Father, we, sometimes we have learned to do life without your power. And when we do that, we get ourselves in trouble. But Father, we are now moving into a time in our history here in this time, one that you have seen before. And I pray now, Father, as we have arrived here in Romans chapter 12, and we could stop here and preach 40, 50 sermons just from verse 1 and 2. But Lord, as we are here and we pray, Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes, open our ears, prepare us, Lord, to be able to live for you, to trust you even in the midst of the storm, that we would still say with our mouths that we belong to you. I know it's easy to say that, Father, when all is well. But Lord, we need to be able to say that when all is not well. When we are persecuted because of our beliefs in you. When we are not accepted in a school. When our job lets us go. Or when we are booted out because of what we say we believe and profess. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be able to say that we will still bow down that we will still profess, that we will still say with our voices that we belong to you, that you have not left us nor abandoned us, but you're right there near to us. That's what we need, Father. Come now, Holy Spirit. Bless me. Bless my mind. Bless my hands, my fingers. Bless my thick tongue. Bless this time that you've allowed for us to Open up your word and to hear your word. Come, Holy Spirit, and take the word and implant it into our hearts. And as the psalmist says, the word that we would hide in our hearts here tonight, that we will not sin against thee. This we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Please stand with me as we Read a few verses from Romans 12, 1 and 2. One more after this, and then we're going to move on into the gifts and the rest of Romans chapter 12. But I really sense the Lord just having me stop here and spend some time and not just try to rush by. I'm not in a hurry. I hope you're not in a hurry. And I know God is not in a hurry. He took 2,000 years before, his, before he has came and gone and he said he's going to come back. As we know, we're still here, and who knows how long before he will come back, but we know that he is. Here we go, Romans 12, 1 and 2, CSB translation. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Therefore, you're not a robot. Holding, 
and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Verse two, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Here we go. First slide. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. You may have your seats. There was a saying in Rome, the great Roman Greek empire, do as the Romans do, or when in Rome, do as the Romans do. It's similar to that saying that says, some of you have gone to Vegas, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Somehow if you get to Vegas, you do some crazy stuff, you just leave it right there. But Christians who had been transformed by the mercies of God in the Roman Empire, they did not do as their pagan Romans did. Pagan is another word for Gentile or unbelievers, those who have not come to put their faith and trust in Yahweh, the creator God, the true God. There are many false gods out there, but when we say pagan, we're saying those who do not put their trust in the one true God, the God of the Bible, which we call Yahweh. But the Christians did not do as the Romans did when they were in Rome. In fact, they defied the entire system of Rome in the morality perspective. This word defied means to openly resist or disobey. The Christians are being told by Apostle Paul here in our text tonight for Romans 12 too, not to be conformed, not to be conformed. This word conform means to assimilate. Are you assimilating tonight to the world? Paul is telling the Christians, the children of God, those who have been called out of the world, not to assimilate, to form or mold one's behavior in accordance with a particular pattern or set of standards and customs of the age that you're living in. As you can see here, every time Patrick gets up, this is our vision. Urban Hope Community Church vision is to, is to lead the people out of Egypt and into the promised land of freedom, true freedom, freedom in Christ. Jesus comes to set us free. And the word of God says in John chapter eight, and whom the son sets free, they are free indeed. God has come to set his children free from the bondage of Egypt. Egypt, my brothers and sisters, this morning, this evening, is a type of the world where we are under the power of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the small g, God of Egypt. Here in my notes, I have Satan, 
Well, the word of God says in first Corinthians chapter four that Satan is the God of this world. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe in this gospel. I don't know how that works, but but somehow Satan has blinded those who do not put their faith in the gospel. And so Egypt is a type of the world where Pharaoh, Satan, God of this world is in control over it. Egypt represents the falling part of all humans where they live and reside. Those who are, according to Ephesians chapter two, who are dead, like Lazarus dead. Where Jesus says he stinketh in the King James Version. He's dead, dead. The word of God says that we are dead in our sins or in our trespasses and sins. That's the human condition. We're in Egypt. We're bound under the domain of darkness of Satan, Pharaoh, the God of this world. And we're groaning in our sins and in our miseries. When you just look at the world, what do you see? You just see misery. You see death and decay, brokenness, fragmentation, no harmony, no peace, no getting along, just constant Fighting and wars and fighters and rumors of wars are just always abounding. So Egypt represents the falling part of all humans that we see from Genesis 3 onward. When the first man and his wife fell and transgressed against the word of God. Egypt represents those who are living according to. Ephesians 2 again, to the prince of the ruler, God of this rebellious world that is against God. Satan is called the adversary, one who stand opposed, the accuser, the prosecutor. And the word of God says, we, as we walked according to the prince of the power of the air, when we lived in Egypt, we did what Egypt wanted us to do. We thought like an Egyptian. We danced like an Egyptian. We ate like an Egyptian. We went to the schools of the Egyptians. Everything was Egyptian. And we lived there. But God has come to set us free from Egypt. And as we're in Egypt and we walked according to the patterns the standards and the customs of the fallen world of Egypt, which is the world of Romans chapter one that Paul refers to. I call it here in my notes, the characteristics of Romans one world. That's the world that God has come to 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 deliver us out of. And he has. And he's always delivering those out of Egypt. That's what Egypt represents. The Romans chapter one. I want to just rehearse some things. And here you see in Romans chapter one, Paul tells us for the God's wrath has stored up anger or gaze. The Greek word there for wrath is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. They know the truth. They can see it. They can look at the stars. 
They can look at the moon. They can look at the sun. They can look at the different changes of weather. They can know that there is a God. But yet with all of that, they take it and they suppress the truth. They hide it. They try to put a, a cover over the truth. Paul says. They hide it, they suppress it. Next verse. And since what can be known about God is evident, there are truly no atheists. This is a known fact in a foxhole with bullets going over their head. You hear an atheist pray to God. Watch an atheist hit a hand with a hammer. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Because in their hearts, they know that there's a God. And Paul says, since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. Next verse. For his invisible attributes that I just talked about, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. And as a result, people are without excuse. Verse 21, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him or show gratitude to him. Instead, their thinking, their thinking became worthless. Their minds became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. This Greek word thinking means a person, ideals, or opinions, or reasoning. Doesn't matter from the elite, the PhD, the poor person, all the way down to the illiterate, the lawyer. It doesn't matter. God says the people who are suppressing the truth, that they're thinking. Doesn't matter if he has a robe on, he's a judge. His thinking or her thinking, Paul says, their hearts are senseless. This Greek word senseless means pertaining to a lack of capacity for insight and understanding. They cannot understand the ways of God in a sense. Why? Because they have suppressed the truth. So Paul says they become senseless, meaning they are incapable of sensation. They are unconscious. You got to ask yourself, I'm getting ahead of myself. How is it some of the most smart, elite people, PhDs, quadruple, multiple PhDs, how can some of the things that they do, how did they arrive to it? That's what Paul is saying. They're thinking. Their hearts are senseless. And this is what it says in verse here it says their thinking became worthless, futile, and their senseless hearts, cardia, were darkened. Scotus, scotia, it's darkened. It's, 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 there's no light there. There's no Zoe. It's darkened. This word heart meaning inner self, the mind, the source of a person's psychological life. What you're thinking about. Where do your thoughts come from? Paul says their hearts were darkened. Then how should we then live? That's what I want us to 
spend this time? How shall we live as Christians in this world? Paul says we should not be conformed to this age. This Greek word age means the systems of practices, standards and customs associated with a society that suppresses the truth of God. In other words, a secular society. You may have heard that word. When you hear that word, here's the one that says it's a secular society where people are living by the practices, the standards and the customs devoid of God and his truth. So therefore, it's a secular society. But Paul says to us in Ephesians 4, those who have been called out, we've been called out of Egypt. We've been called out of the world. As Chad spoke about James, we're no longer a friend of the world. We've been called out of the world. And so Paul says to the believers in Ephesus, in Ephesians, which is referring really to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you Christians, children of God, that you should no longer, here it goes, referring back to this Egypt way of life, that you should no longer walk as what? The Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Those who live life as though there is no God. There is no absolute truth. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Tonight's going to be a lot of teaching. I want this to be real practical in a real way because I'm going to get to the end and just pray the Lord, Holy Spirit be with me. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. They're all around us. We must evangelize them and we're going to get to that. We should no longer walk as they do. Here again, in the fertility of their thoughts. See, their, their, their thinking, their mind is, is futile, it's empty, it's devoid of life and their thoughts. Verse 18, they are, here again, Paul, scotus, scotia. They are darkened in their understanding, in their mind. And Paul just goes right to it. It's excluded from the Zoe of God. It's excluded from the life of God. There's no life in them. Doesn't matter what their educational background may be. Paul says they're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. Because they have suppressed the truth, Paul says. And because of that, now their hearts have become hardened and there's no life in them and there's only darkness. And then Paul goes on to verse 19 and he says, and they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. This Greek word promiscuity is a behavior completely lacking in moral restraint. 100% hedonistic in behavior. No barriers. Don't box me in. Paul says they 
turn themselves over to a promiscuity behavior, lacking no moral restraint. A total life of hedonism in their behavior. But for us, the question still is asked, how then shall we live in this kind of culture? I put here in my notes, this is where I said this is going to be very important transition here in the sermon. Because I want to go to some text. Don't put it up there yet, Joe, but I want to go somewhere and show you when Paul is saying to the Romans and God is saying to us, what does it mean? He says, don't be conformed to the world. What does that really mean? What is he talking about? And what is he trying to get at? Last week, I just hit it a little bit. I didn't go down real deep, but tonight I want to go down deeper. I want to, I want, I want, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to your living room. I'm going to bring it to your doorsteps. I'm going to bring it into your living room. Because as a pastor, as a Lord, you know, he said, you got to prepare my people. I'm the same God yesterday and today and forever. God has been God since the beginning of time. He was put time in time. So he's been around a long time. He's been around before time began. Because God lives outside of time. So this is very important. What I'm about to say from here on out, not to say what I have said had not been important, but it's really about to be important. So I really want to slow down. So here we go. There are three main foundations or formations in the world that are crucial for us as Christians that we must be diligently and biblical about. Three of them. There are a lot more, but these three are most important. Three foundations. Biblical foundations that we live, that we, we must be biblically about as Christians. None of us are going to have to, you can't be in the gray on this. You can't be in the gray because this is, this is on full tilt and it's always been around. And so you can't be in the gray. You must be biblical. You cannot be in the gray. Can't be in the middle. It's a black or white, three main foundations or formations that we must be biblical about as Christians. The first one, the institution of sexuality. You must get your understanding of sexuality from the book. Not your psychology, not from Auburn, Alabama, Troy, high school, grandma, granddad, from the book. <laughs> you must know what God says about it. That's the first one. The second one you must, we must be biblical about is understanding the institution of the sanctity and the dignity of human life. You must know what God's word says about it. And the third one, the institution of marriage and the family. You must know your Bible as it relates to those three main foundations and institutions in our world. 
sexuality, the institution of sanctity and dignity of human life, the institution of marriage and family. When God brought the people out of Egypt, he addressed all three of these institutions when he brought them out of Egypt. And so the first line I want to put up, I want to show you this. When God brought the people out of Egypt, um, our vision is leading people out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. It's the fallen humanity of man. Satan, the God of this world, is the ruler and the prince of the power of the air. People are dead and they're darkened in their understanding, futile in their thinking, in their mind. There is no life. There's no Zoe. But here we see in Leviticus, when God brought the people out and he starts to tell them, now I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out. I've come down through my great mighty hand of mercy. Now in view of my mercy of grace and destroying Pharaoh and drowning him in the sea. And now you're on the other side in the promised land. This is how you shall live. This is how you should behave yourself. And the first thing God says, you see in the subtitle there, prohibited pagan practices. There's the way of the world, Canaanites, the Egyptians. But here's what I'm calling the people of God, the children of God to live like. And the first thing God says, speak to the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and tell them. I am the Lord your God. Sometimes he'll say, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of, the, out of the bondage of Egypt. And first thing he says, do not follow or do not conform to the practices of the land of Egypt where you used to live. We all used to walk and live according to the prince and the power of this world in Egypt. All of us, some of us more than others, but we all did. Do not follow the practices of the land of Egypt where you used to live or follow the practices of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. Don't be conformed to those practices that are all around you. You must not follow their customs. What are their customs? Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Oh, my God. Help me, Jesus. Let me drink a water. This is where you hear people say the Bible is irrelevant. I don't know where they're getting it from because the Bible is so relevant, it's almost scary at times. Not making it up. You must not follow their customs. There is nothing new under the sun. Now, for your sake and my sake and some of you, I'm not going to put them scriptures up, but I would encourage you to read them when you get home. Go to Leviticus and read what God says to his people not to engage in. He's going to say, people doing that? Oh, yes. And it's here. He saw, God says, let me speak into the sexuality. I'm not going to read them. 
But verse 6 and 17 addresses the institution of sexuality. God starts saying all kinds of stuff. Can't be hanging out with your mom like it's your girlfriend. You said, come on, pastor. You got to go read it. I'm not making it up. The Egyptians were doing it and all the other nations. You can't do that. Fathers, don't look at your daughters funny. You're my children. I want you to be holy. Don't be like, don't be like Hollywood. So God addresses sexuality. He puts the parameters all around it. Verses 6 through 17. He addresses it, and I say, I'm not going to even just try to show you how bad it is. But I want you to go read it for yourself so you can understand what, what, where we are and where we're headed and how bad it is. When God says that people are darkened in their understanding and that they're futile, God is not joking. He, you have word on it. When people are outside of God, they can't see the wrong and the right. They are darkened in their thinking. Their minds are corrupt. And when you read it, it is just a bunch of just, my goodness. What? That's why people say, e Egyptians, man, they, my goodness, man, Horus and all them gods, the sun god. I don't know what kind of gods they had, but they must have been some wicked gods that had them doing this stuff. But you know, to the Egyptians, it was normal. It's like it is today. So God addresses the sexuality. Second thing God does in this chapter 18 of Leviticus, verse 21. It's my second slide. Here we go. You are not to sacrifice. This is in your Bible. Back in the time of Moses, nothing new under the sun. You are not to sacrifice your what? In the fire to Molech. Do I have to be any more explicit? That people took their children up. There's a big fire burning to a false god called Molech. And they picked their children up. I don't know if they had them sleep. Gave them a shot. Put them out. I don't think they did. And they threw their children. You ask yourself, what kind of mom you got to be in your mind to take your two-year-old or one-year-old and to throw them into a hot fire? It says, don't be like the Egyptians. The Canaanites, do not kill your children. Do not abort your children. Next verse, sanctity of life. Genesis 6, this is when Noah, God had flooded the world, and God picks up, giving Noah these commands. And he says, and I will require a penalty for your lifeblood and I will require it from any animal or from any human if someone murders a fellow human. This is God. This is Yahweh. God says, I made the life. I created them. 
killing humans in order to the sanctity and the dignity of human life. God puts a high volume on it. So God says someone who murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Then he goes on. Whoever sheds human blood, shoots them, kills them, stabs them, aborts the baby in the womb, whatever way they do it, suicide. God says, whoever sheds human blood, by human, his blood will be shed for what God says. For God says what? For God made humans in what? What did God make humans in? In his image, which he tells us in the first chapter of the Bible. All humans are made in the image and the likeness of God. Taking their lives is a serious matter. Someone should tell these rappers that. They should not be making songs about killing people. They won't have to stand before a holy God. And you should not be giving your ear to it. He says, the dignity of human life. Next slide says, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. Can't get any simpler, simpler than that. God says life is important. I created it. Thou shalt not murder. All right. Next slide. As addresses the institution of marriage. Where do we get marriage from? Why is it so important? Does it come from the Supreme Court? Grandma? And this is why I say you must know this. Because I'm going to turn the corner here. You must know what God's word says about these matters. So the word of God says in the institution of marriage. Then the Lord God said it is not good for the man to be all alone, to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. And the Lord God formed out of the ground. This is amazing, man. God said the wisdom of God. Because God knew that humans are so crazy, so fickle outside of his grace. Because they were, because right now you're going to start to see humans marry dogs, animals. But God wants you to see the Lord God formed out of the ground. Every wild animal, your poodle, your German shepherd, your pit bull, your, your little, your little, your raccoon, whatever animal you have in the house. Your snake, <laughs> you name it. Every animal. You can read it. He created the deer, the babies. Man, Chad, he, man, just going off to the side. Now we're at the men's retreat. Allison, wait, Allison's gone. Man, Chad loves hunting, bro. He saw some ducks. I mean, some ducks, some turkeys come out and, and, and some deer. He saw a buck, man. I, you know, I mean, when you're talking about somebody that loves a hobby, Chad loves having dominion over the Bambies. And the turkeys. And he came back in, me and Chris, I said, Chris, look at his eyes, man. You can just see his eyes were lit up. It was like, I mean, just said, man, that's some passion in Chad's eye when it comes down to hunting stuff. So, so God brought all the animals and every bird of the sky and brought each of the man to see what he would call it. Okay? You get what God is doing. He's bringing all these animals. Bringing a little poodle, bringing a little German Shepherd, <laughs> Great Dane, <laughs> lying. He see what he's gonna call him. He calls him, and wherever he man called the living creature, that was his name. Verse, next verse. The man gave names to all the livestock, 
to the birds of the sky and to every wild animal. But for the man, here we go. God brought all these animals. But for the man, there was no helper. God, because God already says in Leviticus, I don't want you out there trying to make that cow your woman. So he's bringing, he says, all of these animals, look what it says. All of these animals, there was not found a helper found corresponding to him. They were good to have and to eat and have whatever. And God, he named them. But God says, that's not it. 21. So here's the creation of God. So God laid the man down, caused a deep sleep, out snoring. He don't have no sleep mask on to come over the man. And he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. And then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a one man and brought her to the man. Next verse. And, and the man said, this one at last. Whoa, now this is compatible. <laughs> now, however, you no, know, me and Dion, we talk about how God made Eve. I just think God made a 10 piece. He, he was bad. I mean, just Eve was the first woman. I don't think God, I don't think God, I, I man, just some of God don't make no junk. And Eve stepped out and look what Adam, he starts talking, talking, talking. And the man said, now this one here at last, like about time, God. Bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. This one right here, everybody, should be called one man. For she was taken from man. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife. And they become one flesh. The Ephesians 5, Paul calls this marriage as a, as a great mystery of Christ and the church. We can't be messing around with it. We're called the bride of Christ. He's called the groom. So Paul says, let's become one flesh. And both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. Sexuality, sanctity of human life, and the dignity of human life, and the institution of marriage and family. Now Paul says, in view of the mercies of God, how should we then live? Back to Romans. Paul says to us, we are not to be conformed to the patterns, the standards, and the customs of the present age. Paul says, don't be conformed, Christians, to the patterns, to the standards, to the customs of the present age. That's where we live. And right now, here in America, we are now living in what scholars and theologians myself, we call a post-Christian culture. Christianity came here, but now Christianity is on the downturn as far as it relates to the culture. Some historians say this started in the 1960s. Some of y'all weren't born. 
You need to go do research on the 1960s. It's when wives didn't want to be wives, men didn't want to be men. It just was like a chaos. Prayers got taken out of school. Abortion laws came in. It was like a bomb came in. I've told you guys this before. And it hit America and it hit everything. And from that time on, it's been a slippery slope. Now, why is this so important to understand? This is where I want to have to share all this to back it up. I got here in my notes. If you're under the age of 40 here tonight. I would probably say even 50, but if you're under the age of 40, in which many of you are, but even if you're under the age of 50. Which many of you guys are. You really need to hear this. And this is where because this is where, you know, part of being a shepherd is to help the flock to be prepared for whatever's coming. Remember we talked about that. Uh, the sons of Issachar, they knew what Israel should do and understanding the times that were coming. You got to be blind and stupid, wondering not to see the writings on the wall. And I would not be a good pastor to you and not helping you prepare your hearts. Many of you are having children. And now you, with the time that I grew up, was Christianity was still the main line thinking of the day. But that day is gone. Find there being a revival of a major part that will sweep over our land. I don't know. So in the meantime, how then shall we live? So this is very important. If you're under the age of 40 and you intend to live a genuine Christian life, you should expect here in my notes coming here forward and going forward severe persecution at work, your job promotions, being not allowed to go to certain schools because you're a Christian being booted off of social media platforms because you are a Christian, being resented by your family, friends, and acquaintances going forward. The pressure to accept all of the modern patterns of behavior and standards and customs will become stronger and stronger. It's getting stronger and stronger. It's getting stronger and stronger in our country, in our Western world. That was not true 40 years ago. Some of you said that's not fair. I understand. But it's here now. The question is, how then shall you live? Paul says not to be conformed to these customs, these standards and these practices all around us. As God told the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, do not do what they're doing. Some of you may know this, some of you don't. Some of you may, but last week, first time in the history in the West, we passed a thing called the, the Equality Act in the House. 
And now it's headed to the Senate floor for a vote. As, as some of y'all been keeping up, we send notes. Men can say I'm a man, play basketball. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, I'm six four. I always wanted to go to the NBA. This is not being funny, but this shows you where we're at. What if I just say I was a man? I can go in the women's NBA and I could dominate because I'm a man. I still can average 35, 40 points. <laughs> go out in the post. Who's going to stop me? Lose this little weight. Me and Greg out there. Greg, this is shoot threes. And we can say we play in the women's NBA. But I have to say that I'm a woman. That's part of what's going on with this Equality Act. But more than that, you, if a man person say I am a man, they're a woman, you have to call them that. Now, what does that do for you as a Christian? What happens when it's your family member? And this is where I have to prepare you for, and this will be next week. How then shall we live when people in our family start to come to us and invite us to the same-sex wedding? And it's not a distant thunder, but it's a cousin, it's an uncle, it's a niece, it's a brother or it's your mom, or it's your dad, or your stepdad. How then shall you live? And you can feel it. It's like, man, pastor, this is, what do you think Paul is talking about? When he's saying, don't be conformed. When your job, you want the promotion, but the promotion comes with a certain Things that you have to believe in order to get it. What then shall you do? This Equality Act um, is ambivalent at best, amb ambiguities all around it. We know some things about it. Whether the Senate is going to pass it, we don't know. But here's what this one guy says in the Washington Post article. It says that a number of religious denominations, however, are lobbying against the measure saying its lacks of religious exemptions creates one of the most sweeping challenges to religious liberty in decades. Groups included the Church of Jesus Christ, the Mormon of Latter-day Saints, Orthodox Jews, and Seventh-day Adventists, among others, say it could halt free and reduce cost lunches for children across the country who attend single-gender parochial schools and require church community halls like what we have across the street to rent space for LGBTQ people groups when we have our space opened up for you to rent. Ceremonies and, and threaten federal security grants for synagogues and mosques facing violence. Amazon last week, I don't know how I knew this, I used to buy a lot of books on Amazon Kindle. It was quick, I can get them overnight. But Amazon is slowly but surely, I would tell you, start buying your books from Christian vendors. It may take you a few days, a few weeks. We're doing the best. But Amazon last week says, this is what I do. That's why you pay me as a pastor to read and study. It's taking off any books that speaks against transgender. You can't get it on audio. You can't get it on Kindle. And you can't order it. So Amazon is saying to you, if you speak out against the practices and the customs of the day that we endorse, you will not be able to get that book from us. You can look it up. 
a book that went against LBGT. They took it down. Folks are complaining about it. Things of that nature. Here's my question. How then shall we laugh? And what is upon us? How do we live out our Christian faith in this? Well, Paul says, and I'm closing here, he says, you are not to be conformed to the world or the age that you're in, present age, it's the Greek word, but you are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You renew your mind through the power of God's word. And I say here, this is not an hour nor a time to be slack in your Bible study. This is, this, you, this, you're not going to make it on reading the Bible once a month. It's too much happening too fast. So I have here in my notes, you must be grounded in the word of God, which is the power that God uses to renew your mind, which God says about the Egyptians and the pagans and the Gentiles, that they are darkened and futile in their mind and they're thinking the power is in the mind. They have not the word of God. They don't embrace the word of God. So their mind, they suppress the truth of God. They don't want the word of God. And so you and I who are holding to the word of God, that's the fight. The fight is the word of God. It's the word of God. That's, that's the only thing that makes us different when we're in Egypt. God said, let my people go so that we may worship God. We worship God in spirit and in truth of his word. It's not osmosis. It's over the word of God. Let my people go so that they may worship me. We must be grounded in the word of God. Meditating on it day and night. I know pastors whose children who are coming out. And I see so you have to start to think these pastors like my son is coming out. They're coming out of the closet. It's, and when that stuff happens, if you're not grounding the word of God, what we would do, we would start to bend the word of God. I'm here to tell you. I can't bend. I can't bend for myself. I can't bend for my children. This is why we were singing this song. I belong to you. When those Romans took those Christians, bow the emperor, oh, we will light you up like a Christmas tree on these trees. And some of them Christians said, I belong to Jesus. I belong to you, Lord. You're my everything. You're my all. I was, I was lost. I was on my way to the abyss. My mind was messed up. I was visiting the temple every day. I was abusing my children. I was lost as a goose, Lord. If that's what it is, then let it be what it is. For this is not my home. I'm a pilgrim and a sojourner, and I've set my eyes on King Jesus. 
If that's what you're going to do, king, if that's what you're going to do, queen, if that's what you're going to do, president, if that's what you're going to do at my job, then let it be what it is. But I belong to Jesus for he has purchased me with a great price with his blood. I belong to him. So therefore. We serve him. Next week. It's communion week. How do we love staying on God's word and evangelize in these times? Because part of what's happening. See, when you evangelize, you're going to hit these three things. The three institutions that I talked about. Sexuality. Sanctity of life, human dignity. Marriage and family. Jesus says, I'm king going to all the world, Egyptian world, pagan world, Gentile world, and teach them to observe, to teach them to observe what? All that I've said about sexuality. Marriage and family, sanctity of life. Man, when you start to do that, listen to me, young people. I was going to ask the question, how many of you guys love to be liked? I have to say this to you. Being an evangelist to the people in the world, it has to be your love for Jesus and what he's done in view of his mercy. And you obey to do what he's called you and I to do. And only love that you want is the hand of his affirmation that you obey in him. You have to get over the fact that the world is not going to cheer you on. And I know that the Facebook and the likes, you like the likes. I'm sorry. When you start speaking on truth of sexuality, your likes are going to go way down. And you have a choice to conform or be transformed. I pray we be transformed by the word of God, which is able to save ourselves. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for your word, for your truth of your word. We thank you, Father, that as we are moving in the times, Lord, that you were very aware. But Lord, as we sung earlier tonight, we sing in this closing. We belong to you. We belong to you because you Set your love on us first. Because the only way that we even got out of Egypt is because you came to us when we were deader than a doorknob. Lost, hopeless, living in despair and under the domain of Satan, the God of this world. But you came down and rescued us and brought us out. And Lord, we don't want to go back to Egypt. We don't want to turn back to his customs, to his practices, and to his standards. But we know that we've been brought out of darkness, as First Peter says, to show forth your praises and your glory in the promised land and to worship you in spirit and truth and glorify you in, in all things. So, Father, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us to grow deeply as a church community 
As we come to Bible studies, we encourage one another and spur each other on to do the good works. And to say, girl, keep living for God. Young man, keep following after God. Young person, keep following after him. As we encourage one another, as we grow as a community, and we become closer than a brother and a sister, we become one in you in Christ, that we become the church in the world that's all around us, that's fading away. God help us. We can't do this in our own strength. None of us can. We're weak and we're feeble without you. But with you, God, we can do great things because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you for tonight that you are in us. And whatever comes or whatever it is, we will sing unto you that we give our lives away and that we belong to you in all things. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. Brother Dion, come and close us out. Give a word of prayer. Benediction, I stand up here.